0: Hello, I am Megan Miles and this is The True Crime Bride. Crime Bride. I'm Megan Miles and today my guest is my groom.
1: What up, what up? The Aaron
0: Downs, the at down with Aaron on TikTok and Instagram and the famous man that he is. How are?
1: I feel fantastic. Do
0: you feel fantastic? I'm I'm happy to be here. Are you happy? Because I feel like I had to bamboozle you into this a little bit because I've just been very excited about this, the work I've done on this episode. Well, you know, (laughs) sometimes i'm smiling at him yeah (laughs) mischievously (laughs) well
1: you know long day of work long day of work i know but but you're uh, he always
0: calls me his angel and so i actually said hey if you think i'm such an angel start treating me like one and get upstairs and let's do this podcast baby what'd you say okay (laughs) so any episode that he's on specifically i'm going to be asking him the question hey babe What'd you do for our wedding this week?
1: Um, I did a little research um, for my uh, tuxedo. Wait, I
0: didn't even think you were going to say anything. Oh,
1: come on. I'm
0: shocked and honored. So
1: you sent me this TikTok of this um, this person mm-hmm. that they had a recommendation of a place called Hockerty. Yes. Is the name of it? It's a custom suit and tux like, website that you can like go on and it's like Honestly, it's almost like Build a Bear, where you get to like mixed match <laughs> on different colors. So like, mm-hmm. choose this color; it appears on your like little suit dummy. So thing. cool! You choose like the two piece or the three piece suit, and then that it appears. You can do like the collar, the 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 notches, mm-hmm. and all that jazz. It's pretty cool.
0: And they make it like whatever you decide. That's- yeah it's completely custom
1: this is not an ad by the way this yeah, is just this 100% is 10% not an ad but
0: can be if you want it to be you want him to be um <laughs>
1: listen i will do whatever
0: truly um let's do it so Thank you for doing that. I'm so excited.
1: What about you? Did you do anything fun for the wedding?
0: Mm, well, uh, just been going through a little bit in my life, you know. Sure. So I have done. I've done a lot of list making this week. I will say, like that. Um, I just, you know, now that we're kind of like in the year we're getting married, it's like, okay, well 2023. now we, 2023, here we are, um, just kind of like, okay, what do I still need to do? You know, what, like little, like things that I haven't thought of where I'm like, right. okay, I need shoes. I need uh, this head. Oh please. God,
1: I need shoes. Yeah, exactly. Oh so crap, it's like I need to make like a list. That. I
0: know, we need <laughs> to make a list. So anyway, but we're, we're in good shape. So just for the listeners, uh, moving forward, we will be. Every time that he's on, which will be a lot because, you know, we do live together, work together. Yeah, it's kind of easier. We're besties for the resty. Okay, I've never said that. I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm sorry. I didn't know what to say. I just panicked. (laughs) I panicked. Um, (laughs) I've never said that in my life.
1: (laughs) I hope I don't become like the person on the the podcast where they're like, ah, Aaron's back on again. No, Ugh,
0: no, I think that's the opposite. You I mean, think? the fandom alone.
1: Oh, maybe. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Maybe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: If you aren't aware, I go, I just, I already put his handle in here, but go go check him out. He's a bit of a star.
1: Very silly.
0: Yeah. He's a big, silly man. Everything he posts, I lit. well, most things you post, they tickle me. I really get a kick out of you. Thanks, babe. So, which is good. We are getting married. So it works out that I think you're funny. Yeah, and I, just, I hope that you bring the Hume to this podcast. Even though we are talking about real serious things, for sure. I I'm excited to see how baffled you are and to hear your opinions.
1: You told me that I'm gonna scream, so I better scream at least once. Yeah, we did tonight. a sound
0: check here today where I'm like, uh, just uh, let's do some screaming sound check. because I feel like you're gonna scream. So. With that intro, we're talking about the murder of the newly married Sherry Rasmussen. This is a very famous case. I didn't know a whole lot about it, but I learned a ton about it. So well, let's, let's begin. Let's get into it. You're going to fall in love with Sherry because Sherry was just a phenomenal, smart, accomplished woman. Let's talk about it. Love it. Sherry was born February 7th, 1957. To Nels and Loretta Rasmussen in Walla Walla, Washington, which, if I had to be from anywhere, I want it to be Walla Walla. Walla Walla, Washington. Exactly. Sounds walla like, Walla.
1: I bet you they had a really fun theme oh, song. Oh, they definitely
0: did. So, her and her two sisters, Connie and Teresa, were raised in Tucson, Arizona. So, they went from Washington to Arizona when they were young kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were a super tight knit really wonderful family. Nels was a dentist and he had his own practice and Loretta, his wife was the manager there. They had a very, I kept thinking like the all American family, you know, just a great, a great bunch. Sherry was known to be really kind, compassionate and warm from elementary school. She was extremely bright, Really hardworking like as a little kid, even her parents said they never had to get on her about homework or grades, all the usual kid things you know you have to like get after the kids about. she just was naturally hardworking on her own accord and in fact she actually finished elementary school a year early. oh wow. Mm-hmm. she did her seventh grade coursework. In the summer of her sixth grade year. Jeez. So again, you know, overachiever. obviously, overachiever, but also
1: making us all look bad. Making
0: us <laughs> look bad, Sherry. So she started high school early, naturally.
1: Yeah. Oh, in, that's, yeah. That makes sense.
0: And in high school, she continued on that same stride of working really hard and overall just being extremely intelligent, uh, kind, and, Everyone said she was an awesome girl. Her friends have said about her that she was very hard on herself, though. She always felt she could be doing more or working harder. Just that type A perfectionist person. Makes and sense. it makes all the sense in the world. It happens to a lot of really smart people. There's a lot of pressure that comes along with it. In September 1973, she started college at La Sierra College in California. And she was 16 when she started college. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, she skipped all these grades and graduated high school early. Can't relate. Cannot relate. Cannot relate. And especially me. I I didn't have the opportunity to take, like, I went to Catholic private school and I didn't have, they didn't have, like, pre-college courses or anything like oh, that. Oh, really? Take the, no, I couldn't do anything oh. ahead of time. So when I hear these so stories So wait, they didn't have, people, like, AP
1: classes? No. or Really?
0: No. Huh. You had AP classes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Sherry's sister, Connie, was already in college studying to be a nurse at the time. And actually, Sherry's great aunt was a very accomplished nurse in in the nursing field. And she really wanted to, I guess, emulate that in her own life. She really looked up to her aunt, looked up to her sister. And so as a freshman, she decided she wanted to pursue a career in nursing, which I really admire a 16-year-old that can make a decision like that about their life. I think that that says a lot about the kind of person you are, that you can make a decision about the rest of your life at 16.
1: Well, when did you decide that you wanted to be, uh, well, when did you want to be in musical theater?
0: (laughs) Uh, No, well, I started as pre med
1: Oh, that's right.
0: And then I did a year. So I was, I mean, how old are you at the end of, I guess I was 19 when I decided to, start my musical theater degree wow yeah and i like i knew but it took me i didn't know out of high school i didn't I know think that i was
1: 16 when i decided i wanted to go to school for musical theater
0: yeah i, I mean maybe, so. maybe i just had a i'm such a serious kind of person in that right. way like to me making such a big decision so young i just i really admire shit. Oh, like absolutely. it says a lot about The type of person Sherry was. No,
1: listen, don't get it twisted. Like, that decision should never be. (laughs) I don't know why we have to. It's so ridiculous that, like, we're expected to, like, come up with that decision. But it was so great that she had, like, that drive to, like, that wherewithal to Like that knowing, exactly. that's really cool.
0: So at the end of her freshman year, she applied to where her sister was already studying to be a nurse. That was a school called, called, cold, cold, (laughs) cold. Uh, I'm from Long Island. In case my accent comes out, yeah, and it school, will.
1: The school is called. Because uh, I
0: get if I get angry, which every single one of these cases makes me angry, I become very Long Island, and I just want you to know that ahead of time. Hey, thank okay.
1: God, or thank as you. we say, thank God.
0: Thank God. The school was called Loma Linda. In California, Loma Linda. So, in the fall of 1974, she began her studies there. And fast forward to three years later, spring 1977, her and Connie actually caught up in the same timeline and graduated with their nursing degrees together, like on the same day. Wait, how did
1: that happen?
0: Well, because I, I would, am- Sherry is just like works faster than I guess everyone else on the planet. Because
1: <laughs> clearly, just Holy yeah. cow! So
0: they caught up with each, and I think that's, I, I think that's very special. I ho- I hope that they did too. You know, yeah. that's special as a parent, I would imagine. So, September Big celebration. Yeah, September 1978, she decided to pursue her masters in nursing at UCLA while also working as a staff nurse at the medical center to pay her way through her masters program. This is extremely overwhelming. Like a full course load And intensive training to become a nurse, like at this, like to become a master, you know, get your master's degree at the same time. Oh my
1: gosh, I can't even imagine. Yeah,
0: that's a lot for like anyone. And so I hear, you know, that. These programs are just rigorous. And so she, in March 1980, she graduated with her master's in nursing from UCLA. She was 23 years old and officially- Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. She got her master's at 23?
0: Yeah. Most people are graduating college at like 22 or 23. And she was, she had her master's.
1: I feel very inadequate.
0: And with a specialty. (sighs) (laughs) So she became a cardiovascular clinical nurse specialist. That's all? That's all. Wow. Whatever. In August of that year, her father, Nels, purchased her a condo where she lived with her cat, Bozo. Bozo! <laughs> and eventually, her best one of her best friends named Jane, someone that she met at UCLA Medical Center, moved in as well. Love it. So her dad paid for the condo, yeah, but every month she gave him a check for the full mortgage. She was very insistent on being independent, and especially financially independent, which... You know what? If my dad was like, let me buy you a condo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my head down and let him pay the mortgage for like a year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> especially, yeah, especially with that workload. My God. Yeah,
0: but you know, like just goes to show the kind of person she was. The condo seemed like a very secure home for a young woman to be living in. It had like high walls around it. You had to have a key card to enter, exit. You know, it was a gated community. Nice. So at 27 years old, Sherry began working at Glendale, Aventis. Medical Center as the director of clinical nursing. So a fucking badass.
1: Jesus. The list goes on and on with this one, doesn't 27 it?
0: 27 years old, the director of clinical nursing at a hospital. So
1: she's like in charge of the entire department.
0: Yeah, at 27. And I bet wow. you there's people 30. 30- Thirty-five years there, as an you know what I'm saying? Yeah. like, she's just super, super gifted. Up until this point, she's had absolutely no interest nor any time to be dating anyone. She's she very don't
1: need no one. She don't My need God, no man.
0: She was very focused on just getting her career together, and you know, she also just not having any time. Girl, eventually though. In May 1984, she met a man named John Rutten. And John would go on to become her husband. Aw. Lucky man. Aw. John was a tall, good-looking guy. He was from a good family. He grew up in San Diego, California. He graduated from UCLA as well in 1981 with a degree in mechanical engineering. Oh, another he- smarty. Mm-hmm. All these smart people.
1: Smart people. Can't relate.
0: <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> And worked as a computer data engineer at a company called Data Products, which, like, think about what a computer data engineer was doing in like 1984. I thought about that I as I was, I was writing these notes. I'm like, what kind of like data engineering is he doing in 1984?
1: Probably like creating, you know, like, you know, i mean, not even going to try to guess what they do. It's
0: nothing that people are doing now.
1: Yeah, but and everything probably at an extremely smaller scale. Yeah, you know what I mean, just and a based lot on slower. Like, yeah.
0: At a party with mutual friends. John noticed Sherry from across the room. She was tall. Now, she was six foot one. Wow. Like supermodel status.
1: Okay, you had to make me feel inadequate in <laughs> intelligence and height. Thanks a lot.
0: Not sa- wow. me. Not sa- me. Wow. It's this bombshell Sherry. Sherry. Uh, she was a tall, beautiful, accomplished woman. Like, just she just had it all. And John is lucky to be even speaking to her at this party. Let's be real. Hell yeah. He went over to chat. And they got along and and like really well and clicked right away. He later asked his mutual friend for her phone number and he called her up, asked her out. And she actually invited him over to her condo and cooked him a beautiful meal. Wow. And which I think is just honestly such a beautiful that's like a really nice first very date. It's very wholesome. It's very wholesome. And the rest was history. John described their situation as love as at first sight. Oh beautiful. Sherry's family, however, was not head over heels for John, but Sherry was, and that's what mattered to them. Like, her happiness was the priority, which, you know, yeah. is such an interesting statement. It's like, well, okay, well, we don't like him, but, like, if you're happy, we're happy. I'm like, are you? What does that even mean? What does that mean? Exactly. They Can you imagine a- if, like, your parents were just like... Yeah. No, it's sh- it, it means that you aren't happy for me. That's right. what I think.
1: But if you're happy, we're happy.
0: That, 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 no, you're that, not. That's
1: manipulative. It is
0: manipulative. I agree. It goes on, I don't feel that way about her parents. I love her parents. But just that
1: statement in general That statement
0: isn't it's not, not the best.
1: disrupts like, me the wrong way. I'm it, sure maybe it wasn't even intended, yeah. like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But disrupts me the wrong A way. A lot of
0: bride to be's grooms to be's are going to be listening to this podcast. I hope I <laughs> and if that is something that is being said to you, I feel like you understand the context of that sucks. Yeah, it's not kind. It's not a nice thing. It, like, you don't actually mean it. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just being a pessimist about it. But if you say to me, hey, I don't like your fiance, but like, that's okay because you're happy. So I'm happy. <laughs> no, no, you're not.
1: Yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah.
0: Anyway, moving on. Sherry and John got engaged in May 1985. And instead of an engagement ring, they decided to upgrade Sherry's car. And John got her a 1985 BMW sedan. Cannot relate. Sherry, I love you. Absolutely cannot relate. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you imagine?
1: <laughs> no. Can you
0: imagine?
1: No, I cannot. First of
0: all, when we got engaged, we didn't even have a Did we have a car?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had a car.
0: Yeah, we, we did? had a car. Oh my yes, God. Yes, we had a car. Time is a blur. We
1: had a car for a year at that point.
0: Get out. Did we?
1: Yeah. This? Well, almost a year, like 10 months. Oh, wow. We got it in, in August. We got engaged in June.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, give me both. How about that? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) They decided to take the plunge and move in together after they got engaged. So she let her roommate know, hey, Jane, uh, you got to get out. <laughs> Get lost Get lost Jane So Jay moved out John moved in And that's that's that When that happened Nels her dad Actually transferred The name of the condo Over to John and Sherry Oh So nice. he no longer owned it he, They did Wow they,
1: before they got married Before they got married Yeah Interesting
0: Alright so maybe he didn't hate John
1: Yeah You know there they had to got be some trust
0: there. a little trust. They got married on November 23rd, 1985 in Pasadena, California. And a month later, they went on their honeymoon to Sandals, Jamaica.
1: Hey, we're going to a Sandals resort. We're going to Barbados. Barbados. But I'm so excited. Oh my God.
0: So they would celebrate their first married Christmas with Sherry's family in Tucson, Arizona. Around the same time, John left his job and went to work at another job within the same field. So he had new hours now he worked from 8 a.m to 5 p.m which meant he now is leaving the house before sherry okay so on monday february 24th 1986 sherry and john wake up around 7 a.m sherry laid in bed a bit that day because she wasn't feeling well and in fact actually wanted to call out which is like a big deal for sherry she didn't just call out she asked john to call her later that morning you know No cell phones, nothing. Just kind of like, she's like, I'm not feeling well. You know, you go to work. Call me later. John left the house at 7.20 a.m., which he did every day. He dropped the dry cleaning off on his way to work and arrived at work at 7.50. Okay. Short drive. John called Sherry at 10 a.m. and no one answered. He tried again at 10.30. No answer. He thought, oh, well, maybe she went to work after all. You know, because... Again, it's unlike her to call out. He's probably like, she started to feel better. Right. She went to work. So he actually calls her secretary and she said, I haven't seen her today, but I don't normally see her on Mondays because she teaches a class and she doesn't stop here at the office first. She goes straight there. Oh. But something felt really odd to John about that. Usually if she went into work, she would turn on the answering machine before she left home. Remember answering machines?
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah.
0: Which is in my lifetime. Oh, yeah, yeah, same. This is the 80s, so <laughs> I kind of spoiled this, but they went, you know, before you left the house, if anyone doesn't know what an answering machine is, you go to your answering machine, probably next to your phone, your main phone in the house, you turn it on, and if someone calls, the answering machine picks up.
1: Which in the 80s, I think it probably had a tape in it.
0: Yeah, and it was, like, super new. Yeah. It was like a, yeah. Anyway, she didn't turn it on, and he was like, it just, like, rubbed in the For wrong way. For those of you
1: who don't know, a tape is... <laughs> it's kind of like a CD, but it has ribbon in it. And that like records sound.
0: Terrible. Okay.
1: (laughs) Oh God. Sherry's
0: Sherry's sister, Teresa. So not Connie, the girl, you know, she graduated with, but her younger sister, Teresa also happened to call Sherry's office that day around 10 AM. She got the secretary and the secretary said she'd, she had called in sick that day. So what I'm thinking happened is Sherry called. I'm sick and I'm staying home. And then Don was like, no, she's not home. And then her secretary was like, oh, well, she must have oh, she must have okay, actually I see, I see. ended up coming into work. But Got I had not seen her yet. Got it. Later that day, John leaves work at 5 p.m. He makes some stops on the way home. He picks up his dry cleaning that he had dropped off in the morning. And that gets him home at 6 p.m. Okay. He notices when he arrives that the garage door is open, even though he knows he definitely closed it when he left. So the way the condo is set up... There's the front view of the condo from the street, the front door, etc. And around the back of the condo, like in the backyard, there's a garage. And it's like a communal driveway. And then everyone has like a garage. But it's like this one driveway. Oh,
2: and everyone can get to their
0: garage. Yeah. They have neighbors directly across the way that are friendly with them. Neighborly, they go on walks every single day, These this couple. At 8.30 that day in the morning, they went on a walk noticed the garage door was closed when they got back at 945, which is like a long walk. You get it. Yeah. They noticed the garage door was open and there were no cars in there, which is so, I remember hearing this and reading about this and I'm like, I don't notice that much, you know? Yeah. Like if you went for a walk, mm-hmm. would you notice if someone's garage was open or closed? Like, I don't know, but they distinctly like remembered seeing it closed and then noticing, Oh, that's open now, you know? And I'm yeah. like, huh? Okay. So John arrives home. He sees the door open. Sherry's car is not there. He also notices glass on the driveway. Uh, The glass actually came from the patio door, which is directly above the garage. So towards the back of the house, they had like a patio, like a balcony.
1: Like above it? Above the
0: garage. And there was a sliding glass door. And the glass had come from that door. The door was smashed. And that door actually led into their bedroom. Oh, my God. So John is obviously freaked out. He parks the car and in the garage, there's a door that leads directly into the condo, like right into their living room. He immediately enters and he finds the dead body of his brand new wife, Sherry Rasmussen, in her nightgown that she had been wearing when he left that morning. Oh my God. Sherry was lying on her back and had clearly been severely beaten. She had swollen eyes, cuts all over her body and had a bite mark on her inner left Forearm. Rigor mortis had completely set in at this point. She was so stiff that her arms and legs were actually slightly like off the ground. Oh. Like she was almost in like a C position. Yeah. Which, oh God, I can't imagine walking into something like that in my entire life, let alone it being. Your spouse. John rushes over to her. He's completely flipped out, furiously trying to find a pulse, you know, trying to help her. He calls 911. They arrive soon after. They start gathering evidence. They complete a sexual assault kit. They get a swab from the bite mark on her arm. They get DNA samples from the blood around the scene, etc. They actually found rope and speaker wire cord by the front door, as well as abrasions on her wrist that suggest that she had been tied up with those things. Oh, God. They found a broken vase near her body and subsequently an injury on her head that clearly came from the vase being smashed over her head. They also found broken fingernails near the front door, which points to the fact that she put up a fucking fight.
1: Well, yeah, if someone had to smash a vase on your head. Sure did. God.
0: She like the house was in complete disarray. Sherry fought, ripped her fingernails off, fought. There was blood smear on the floor and on the walls suggesting that like, you know, this was not, she did not go down without a fight and yeah. like up uh, no respect always, but especially when hearing stories like that, you're just like, of course, you know, they found that she had been shot three times in the chest. Despite all of her brutal injuries, it was determined that the shots were actually the thing that killed her. There was one exit wound, which clearly the bullet had exited her body and two were recovered from within her body, which were determined to come from a 38 caliber her handgun she was shot three times one went in and out and two more were in her body the whole time Jeez. on top of injuries that should have killed her yeah but it was the gunshots that ended up killing her. They found a blanket on the chair in the living room that had holes in it and gunshot residue on it and it was thought that like the gunman had held up the...
1: To be a silencer. To be a
0: silencer. So shot her through the blanket to not make any noise. Two shots were from close range suggesting the blanket, you know, was there in between the gun and Sherry. Detectives note on the crime scene there was blood smeared on practically every surface. There is a staircase that Leads to the second floor, where electronics were piled at the bottom of the staircase, like a VCR and a disc player. So you know, it's like a living space. And in the living space, there's about four or five steps that go up to the bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And at the foot of that, those stairs, there was electronics. It appeared like
1: like a burglary. Yeah, like, like it like looked clust- like cluttering everything. Maybe up.
0: someone was coming in here for these this VCR, which or like they were
1: like planting it that way to make it seem that way. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: Uh, well, that's what, you know, I I would think. but it's
1: stipulation. Yeah.
0: On top of the disc player is a bloody fingerprint. Additionally, in the living room, the coffee table had a drawer in it, and the contents of the drawer was, like, screwed everywhere. They also noted Sherry and John had recently installed an alarm system, and a bloody handprint near it suggested that she had tried to, like, trigger the alarm. Oh, my God. And she just didn't make it, which rips my soul, like, out of my body. Be- like, I can't, yeah. you know, she fought for her life, and... Mm. It was clear there was a massive struggle. Everything was ripped apart, shelves destroyed, and as we mentioned, the patio door was smashed. All of this, and yet there was no sign of forced entry to the condo. Well, that's
1: peculiar. Yeah,
0: things were knocked over. It looked very staged. Nothing was actually taken. Nothing of value. Like, in fact, Sherry's jewelry box was there. No one touched it. Yeah. Lead detective on the case was Detective Lyle Mayer. And he didn't do the best job. Oh, God. Yeah. He basically was like, okay, it's a burglary gone wrong. And yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's just get out of here. We just gotta gotta go do stuff. There had been some burglaries in the area. And in fact, two months after Sherry's murder, there was one within five minutes of their condo. It was extremely similar. They had him gun a similar setup in the condo and they both appeared to be stealing some sort of stereo equipment so the theory was that these burglars broke in for the stereo equipment didn't think anyone was home until sherry came downstairs basically it was like what the fuck are you doing here and they killed her and all the madness they forgot what they had entered the house for the stereo equipment uh but they took her car so it like makes zero sense
1: so, wait, they've done this twice now.
0: Yeah, one, they just killed her, and they like then forgot the stereo equipment. And then they're like, oh, God, we have to re- rob another one, house they, and take it. Yeah, the other yeah. one
1: they actually robbed. Uh, okay. Like,
0: not, I mean, I could see why you thought maybe they were, like, related in some way. So, but the other
1: case, did that happen before or after? After. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, like, it just, it's very You're going to find out it's super botched. Sherry's car would be found 10 days later, about two miles from the condo with the keys in the ignition, looking completely untouched. So there was one thing taken from the burglary, and it was a marriage certificate. The only thing missing from their condo was their marriage certificate. What? Is that a red flag? Is that a red flag to you?
1: That's very bizarre.
0: It wasn't a red flag to the detectives. Cool, 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 cool. So why
1: why, <laughs> why would a burglar take a marriage
0: certificate, but leave the serial equipment it, and kill someone? Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm <laughs> confused. So detectives concluded ultimately it was two males who had recently robbed this other condo two months after Sherry's murder. They drew up sketches and said, "Okay, this is who we're looking for." They did have a look at John to you know appear that they were doing their jobs, but. <laughs> He had no motive to kill her. They were happily married for three months. And in fact, he had gotten her flowers that day because it was their three-month anniversary. Oh, my he had God. An, I know. He had an airtight alibi. He was at work the entire day. He was, it was easily confirmed. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't him. So John got home at 6. At 1 a.m., Nils and Loretta, Sherry's parents, were informed. That's Ugh, a long time.
1: That is a long time.
0: Like, John never called that. Interesting.
1: John didn't call that.
0: No. So like I said, at 1 a.m., Nels and Loretta were informed and Nels immediately said, you need to look into John's ex-girlfriend. Oh. What? Okay. Nels didn't know her name, didn't know anything about her, like didn't know any information about her. But Sherry had opened up to her dad a few times at this point that John's ex-girlfriend had behaved like a psycho. Like she also happened to be an LAPD officer. Uh... And those are the people investigating this. Uh, when Nels told the detectives, they literally said this to a father who just found out his daughter was murdered. You need to stop watching so much television. Okay. See, like, this is where I get arrested. So let's talk about this ex-girlfriend, okay? Okay. Her name is Stephanie Lazarus. She's an LAPD officer. She was born May 4th, 1960 in Santa Monica, California. Her and John met at UCLA when John was a sophomore and Stephanie was a freshman. They were college friends. They both lived on the top floor of the same dorm building, Dixter Hall. And a bunch of folks on the dorm floor all became very good friends. Mm. Stephanie was athletic, outgoing. She and John were on very different pages about what their relationship was. Stephanie was very serious and into John. John was very serious into just, you know, being casual, good friends with her. They had made out a few times over the years, but never had sex. They went on trips to San Diego together. Stephanie actually became very close to John's family. Like his mother, Margaret, and brother, Tom, and sister, Janet, and even, you know, other family, they all thought that they were in a relationship. They had a very close friendship that, Clearly, Stephanie was into it. Like, it was super...
1: Uh, Muddy. Muddy.
0: John graduated UCLA in 1981 and moved into an apartment of his own. The summer after he graduated, Stephanie and John slept together for the first time. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Stephanie graduated the next year, and their friends-with-benefits relationship continued. They would see each other a few times a month, and they'd have sex. And they went on trips together, and etc. Like... He, like, John, yeah, you know she loves you, bro.
1: Yeah. But not, not cool, dude.
0: Yeah, not cool, but like, it is an aspect of reality. Like, this stuff does happen. And like, I don't know. She was a willing participant.
1: Right. 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 Whatever. Okay.
0: It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah uh, I <laughs> after Stephanie graduated, she entered the LAP. After academy, she purchased a condo, and John and his brother actually helped her move in, set up the place, painted the place. They were very close. She was very close to his family. Like, to me, it almost sounds like they were more, like, siblings. But
1: uh, 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 I don't want to. OK, it uh, sounds gross when you, like, say the extra uh, part. But don't like, like that. Like, he
0: didn't see a future with her. Right. And she did. And John, like, I, I think knew that and then continued to sleep with her, like, whenever he felt like it. Uh, that's so not it, OK. It's not OK. Not OK. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we can Jonathan, all agree it's not great. You're,
1: you're guilty of being a dick.
0: Yeah. Did you see Jonathan?
1: <laughs> Is that his name? John. Oh. Uh. <laughs> just John. Well, that's usually short for Jonathan. No, it's not. Yes, it is.
0: J- J-O-H-N is a name. Jonathan is another name. nuh
1: Yes, it is. No.
0: Stop it. You're not saying this to me right now. Wait, are you serious? You think my Uncle John's name is Jonathan? I
1: don't know. Maybe. No oh
0: oh my god john the baptist you think his name was jonathan
1: maybe jonathan the baptist
0: (laughs) (laughs) so after a while john is seeing other women and has been literally the entire time that he's been sleeping with her
1: jonathan damn it
0: according to him they were just friends who like mess around sometimes he even said he didn't feel the need to address it because he thought like it was really obvious and like understood and stephanie like Understood. I'm like, John, you're a fucking moron.
1: You're so dumb.
0: Stephanie knew that he didn't love her and didn't have feelings for her, like, the way that she, you know, did. And it was heartbreaking for her. She would, like, vent to her friends, write in her journal about it, but never spoke to John about it. Because God forbid we, like, confront issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We love that. So now fast forward. It's June 1985. Sherry and John just got engaged, and Stephanie is devastated. Like, She thought one day he would come to his senses and realize, oh, my God, I love Stephanie. And, you know, it just wasn't happening.
1: (laughs) Well, I hope not now.
0: Yeah. But like when she heard they got engaged, she's like, are you serious? Like, I thought he was in love with me eventually. Like he would just wake up one day and realize, oh, my God, Stephanie didn't happen. So the day she finds out about the engagement, she actually called John like hysterical crying, saying, please come over. I need I need to see you. And John agrees. John goes. Okay, so remember, this is June 1985. Sherry and John do not live together yet. And Sherry doesn't know who Stephanie is. Never heard of Stephanie.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: He gets to Stephanie's. She's in hysterics. John says, listen, I've known you for seven years and I've never seen you so distraught. Like she starts confessing her love to him. Like I've loved you this whole time and I just can't let you get married without me telling you this. And John was confused. Like, he felt like this, like, I've been so clear. I just don't feel the same way. Which, John, John, baby, no, no, honey, you knew. Okay. But whatever. And Stephanie was like, okay, fine. But can we just sleep together one last time? Jonathan,
1: Jonathan, I swear to God, Jonathan, Jonathan agrees. Jonathan, <laughs> God, I told you damn we were going to yell. Jonathan! He's engaged! Fucking asshole! He's engaged! And he
0: literally was like, I feel so bad for her. like she loves me so much. Maybe this will just give her closure if I just fuck her one more time. Can you (sighs) imagine? Can you imagine? (laughs) So, okay, let's just recap for a second. He's sleeping with this girl for seven years, despite the fact that he doesn't feel the same way about her, but knows that she's literally in love with him. And he's finally engaged, and he agrees to sleep with her one last time, because closure.
1: Jonathan, that's not how closure works.
0: (laughs) Jonathan doesn't know anything. Sherry was obviously the smart one. Obviously. Well, Well,
1: yeah, we knew that.
0: So, let's fast forward to July 1985. Stephanie decides... I'm going to visit Sherry where she works. Uh Uh-oh. Sherry, like, they don't know each other. Sherry doesn't know who Stephanie is. Yeah. Let alone know that she just slept with her fiance. Like, doesn't know who this person is. She shows up to the hospital where Sherry works in a provocative outfit, which they describe as a tank top and shorts. (laughs) Which
1: (laughs) Very provocative. So provocative.
0: Sherry later said about this that she felt, like, when she was telling the story to someone, she was like, She, I felt like she just wanted to show off that she was, like, athletic and fit and make me feel, like, not athletic and fit, I guess. Sure. So when she got there, Sherry's secretary said that she was at lunch, and so Stephanie's like, no problem, I'll wait. And Sherry came back. Stephanie approached her and said, hey, can we talk? And Sherry's like, okay. And she goes into Sherry's office, and they have a chat. Stephanie leaves, and a while after, Sherry comes out of the office, and it's clear that Sherry had been crying. In fact, she decided to actually head home early that day because she's like, I just can't be. Here, which knowing sherry and her work ethic and like how much she valued her job and people's time like that was obviously she was devastated about something right think about it a stranger shows up yeah that you don't know and says god knows what so yeah
1: hmm.
0: sherry calls her parents that night to tell them what had happened that day she said john's ex showed up to the office and said if i can't have him nobody can and when your marriage fails i'll be there to pick up the pieces okay Uh Okay. Like, well, you want first of all. Can you imagine someone doing this to me? Oh God. <laughs> God. Wait, wait,
1: wait. God. What,
0: what? What do you think would happen? Oh. Talk about it. Oh. Tell me. Tell it, me. What, it, what do you think? <laughs> tell me. Tell the listeners. It.
1: Uh, it would not be good. I feel like someone would be doing a true crime podcast about the <laughs> situation. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, man. Um. So wait. She never. She didn't tell Sherry about she did the oh okay we're getting gonna to that say, but okay, she did okay, okay. she
0: did say she's like yeah we slept together and sherry's like who the fuck are you right you know
1: but i mean she's not lying
0: she is not lying but like uh, imagine just like not you know i would imagine. i know this happens to people yeah but it's i can imagine the shock of that like this stranger come first of all showing up to my my job how do you know where i live how do you know where i work Like, what? This is crazy. When John got home that night, Sherry told him everything that happened regarding Stephanie's little visit to her office. And
1: Jonathan.
0: (laughs) She also mentioned, hey, you know, Stephanie mentioned you guys had sex.
1: Jonathan.
0: Jonathan fully admitted it right away.
1: (laughs) Now you're calling him Jonathan.
0: I know. (laughs) I know. For his Uh, name is actually John Rotten, everyone, but we're gonna call him Jonathan every now and again. So John like fully admitted to it right away. He was like, "I made a terrible mistake, but please don't let it ruin everything we had." L O L O L O, L O pop.
1: Can you imagine, John? Can you imagine, Jonathan?
0: Bro, my little Jonathan man. If anybody ruined anything, I think it might be you. Yeah. And that's, not that's Sherry. Some, that's
1: some victim blaming 101.
0: Sherry ended up forgiving him and he never contacted Stephanie again. And not even to like say, hey, what the fuck was that about? Like he never even like said, are you kidding me? You went to her work. Like he didn't do even that. It's for the best. For the best. Sounds like she's not <laughs> going to be reasoned with.
1: It sounds like, yeah, and I feel like Jonathan's a little, uh, yeah. A little yeah, uh a little flip floppy.
0: Yeah. On August 6th, Stephanie sent John's mom a letter and to be fair, John's mom actually sent like, they were that close. Like Stephanie was that close with John's family. They would like send each other letters and stuff to be fair. John's mother had sent a letter first and then Stephanie actually responded. Okay. I'm going to read the letter. Dear Mrs. Rotten. I wanted to thank you for the pictures. The reason it had taken me so long to respond is because I had to build up my courage. For now, I don't know when or if I'll ever see you and your family again. I do want you to know a few things though. I'm truly in love with John and the past year has really torn me up. I wish it hadn't ended the way it did and I don't think I'll even understand John's decision I do want you to know that your family has meant so much to me I really have learned a lot from your family and I hope someday I can find someone that I can care for as much I hope if you ever need anything you'll contact me love always Stephanie PS say hi to your husband and Janet so yeah our girl staff couldn't just like let it be right yeah she's like no I'm gonna just like write the letter and stuff So at some point between December 1985 and January 1986, Stephanie shows up to their condo. Just randomly shows up because she showed up to the hospital, Sherry's place of work, and then she was like, "You know, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to the condo. I can't help myself." How does she keep getting these addresses? Yeah, good question. Well, she's a cop. True. She showed up with a pair of skis. Like skis skis like skis They like li- yeah. going down the
1: mountain skis like going on, no? they,
0: they live in southern california just want you to know so she's like she knocks on the door and she's holding skis just imagine just like someone knocking on your door holding skis
1: i i can't do that no i can't i, I literally, literally can't do i don't think that.
0: i've ever seen skis in person
1: <laughs> you know what now that you're saying that i think i'm exactly in the same boat
0: <laughs> so she knocks on the door and she goes john can you wax my skis
1: give me a fucking break <laughs>
0: He let Stephanie stay in their house and he waxed her skis. Sherry called her parents later that night and was like, uh, OK, so she stayed a long time and I was super uncomfortable. And Sherry ultimately had to be the one to be like, hey, Stephanie, it's time to go because John didn't ever tell her to go home. Sherry was like, do not wax those skis. Or, like, take them inside. And John did. John was like, well, hey, listen, if I wax her skis, she'll be out of my life forever. Like, that was his logic.
1: No, because next is going to be a fucking surfboard and then <laughs> a fucking...
0: The logic is so good. Like, if I just wax these skis, then this will be the finale. As we thought, his theory did not pan out because the next week she showed up again. Steph comes knocking on the door. Does she
1: have more skis?
0: Uh, No, she came to pick up her skis, actually. <laughs> Oh, I guess she left them. Oh, he was like, leave them. Come back. Like, what? The wait, like, wasn't
1: his whole logic all waxies? Then they'll never have to see her. But again? I've never
0: waxed skis. Do they take like more than a, like a five I, minutes? I, I don't, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I
1: have no idea.
0: So Sherry was concerned how she even was like getting into their condo community because it is gated and you need key card access. So she's like, how does this woman at my front door again? This is a shorter visit, though. She literally came and got her got her skis and left. So Nell, Sherry's dad, later had the thought after all of this that he thinks that Stephanie was there not about her skis, which I feel like is a good assumption. She was there to look at the condo, get a peek at the condo, see where things are, get a lay of the land, which I think is not a
1: bad idea there. It's a good idea. Pretty good assessment.
0: It's important to note that when Sherry would tell her parents what was going on, she actually never named Stephanie. She just referred to her as like the crazy ex.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So when all
0: of this went down later, like when the murder went down, he was like, "Check the ex girlfriend. Check the ex girlfriend." But he didn't but he have he a didn't name.
1: Know the name. Oh, wow. But he
0: was like, "I know that she's LAPD. Ask John. Ask John what her name is." This is still not the end. It's a weekday in the middle of January. And Sherry decided to stay home a bit later than usual in the morning before heading to the hospital for work. John had already left for work. At around 10 a.m., Stephanie shows up in their living room. Sherry didn't hear her come in. She didn't hear absolutely anything. No knock at the door. She just literally comes into her living room and sees Stephanie standing in her living room in uniform. How did she
1: get in? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Sherry's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Get the fuck out of my house. And she goes, I'm here to see John. What the fuck is happening? Sherry later told her dad on the phone about this and said, ultimately, John didn't have the balls to stand up to Stephanie. Sherry's father suggested. You think? Yeah, you think. Can you imagine me saying to you, your ex broke into our house today? And you're like, oh, she's don't worry. She's harmless. Oh,
1: that's Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Fuck. Exactly. Exactly.
1: I have to deal with this now
0: and you want to call the police as so her father suggested like Uh, Nell said like call the police but she is the police she's part of the LAPD so she like Sherry was concerned about not like making this a bigger incident than it was and that's the thing listen to me now overreact people do not worry about how you're gonna look or like you're gonna embarrass someone apologize later overreact yeah obviously Sherry wouldn't have been overreacting but it's like Sherry was worried about making it a bigger deal than it was. That is a big someone broke into your house. Like yeah. this is a huge deal. Yeah. And I'm not blaming Sherry for absolutely anything. This is not Sherry's fault. But it's just a let this be a warning to us all that like we need to overreact. Do do not give a fuck about or, how other people are gonna feel about or it. Or
1: just react normally to someone breaking into your house. But I think
0: Like human nature is to downplay emotion or downplay like the panic. But I I do want to like talk about things for people that are listening to this. This isn't just me telling the story of horrible things. It's me saying, let's learn from these things. And that would be one of the things I'm probably going to talk about every episode is I would rather overreact than underreact. Yeah. Like, it is worth it. If you are concerned, if you have that feeling in your gut, listen to it, even if no one else understands. For sure. So Sherry had been telling her parents she thought she was being followed, actually, as well. There was a specific incident that happened on a Friday night when her and John went out to dinner at like a very open concept kind of layout restaurant. And she saw someone looking at her. And when that person noticed Sherry was looking at her, they moved to a different location. And she told her father later on the phone, she had said that this person looked like they were dressed as a man. Like it was a female dressed as a male. Also, you know, when John moved into the condo with Sherry, they would get calls like often, like several times a week where someone would just call like repeatedly and then they'd answer and there'd be no one there. Or they'd like hang up right away. (sighs) All the while, Stephanie... Lived in a condo of her own with a roommate named Michael. She would vent to Michael about this entire situation, even told him, Hey, I went to the hospital to see her. And you know what? She's not that good looking. She's not she's not better looking than me. She was like saying gross. these type these yeah. type of gross things that people do say, you know. And he ended up moving out of Stephanie's condo two weeks before Sherry was murdered.
1: Wow. I wonder if it was because she was like, you yeah. know, going off the the handle with yeah. this sort of stuff. Maybe
0: I don't know maybe or maybe like, he just left or maybe he literally just left i'm not really sure so all of this to say nels sherry's father was like the whole time that he found out his daughter was murdered he was like this is not a burglary like please check into this girl yeah like, she has called me time after time telling me about these weird things that this girl has done to her look into her and they're like mm, yeah no not interested man nah, no nah, it's do a that. burglary it's a burglary relax Nels. detective meyer doesn't make One single note about Stephanie in the case files.
1: Are you kidding me?
0: He doesn't even interview her. Nothing. Nothing. Despite the fact that both John and Nels said, look into Stephanie. John said it too. So the LAPD, we're going to learn a little history lesson about the LAPD has a system of documenting everything that happens in a case like minute by minute so that if someone comes into the case like halfway through or if someone has to like take over, they can look back. Like every piece of information is documented. It is handwritten and then eventually typed up, but they keep like both copies. It's called a chrono. Okay. Like chronological, but they call it a chrono. It's the events of the investigation in chronological order. Got it. The first three months of the chrono for Sherry's case got lost they lost the original handwritten document of the entire case file huh yeah so ultimately the only written mention of stephanie was this little tiny write-up where it said basically john ratten called he talked about stephanie lazarus it's his ex-girlfriend period that was the entire investigation on stephanie lazarus at this point the case is essentially closed they said this is a burglary and the case goes cold.
1: Well, this is infuriating.
0: Over the next few years, Sherry's parents stay on LAPD's ass and they keep asking for updates all the time. But there's like I, I can't imagine the helplessness of that.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And in
0: 1993, the lead detective actually ended up retiring. So Mayor, Detective Mayor retired. And they were like, oh yes, so maybe we're actually going to get somewhere. Like we're going to get a new guy. Like this is great. At the very same time all this is happening, DNA technology is like booming right now. It is really like this cat catastrophic turning point in detective work all of these cold cases are being reopened they're like you know cases that had adequate evidence right they were solving them
1: yeah because like i remember you saying that there were like bloody fingerprints oh they had a lot of dna
0: so nels is thrilled he thinks okay we might get somewhere we might move this forward he makes an appointment to talk to lapd and meet with the new detectives on the case and they immediately are like it's a burglary, dude. Like, there's no evidence. They say they don't have funding for DNA. Like, there's no new leads. Like, let it go. They literally were like, move on, bro. Okay. So Nels was like, oh, you don't have funding? I'll pay for it. Yeah. I will pay for all this DNA testing. They were like, nah, not interested. No, thanks. Any- eh, interesting, but no, nah. No, we're good.
1: Cool. Cool.
0: So they literally let the case go cold again. Years go by.
1: This seems very fishy.
0: Yep. Years go by. Okay. Get ready. Jonathan and Stephanie get together. <laughs> he is walking away. He is walking away. <laughs> <laughs> Can you fucking imagine? Can you? So, but like, let me tell you this. John called the LAPD detectives on Sherry's case. And they he was like, hey. Listen, I just want to make sure, like, she definitely didn't do it, right? Like, not even a chance. And they were like, no, like, you're good. And he's like, okay, great.
1: Jonathan, I swear to God. Can you
0: imagine, though, like, feeling the need to call and make sure? Like, you already have your answer, bro. If the person you are currently having sex with, you feel like might have murdered your fucking wife, maybe don't. Like, if you need to call a detective and essentially ask permission.
1: I I just, I... I'm very tired.
0: Anyway, they went on a scuba diving trip together to Hawaii.
1: Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy for them.
0: And then they had sex together uh, a couple times after, you know, Sherry died. Just like whatever. Great. Yeah. Awesome. They never formally got together because duh. Yeah. Again, oh my Stephanie God. still's like John's Wait, like, "Wait, is this isn't
1: this isn't serious, <laughs> Stephanie." Like, I
0: mean, after all this, John still won't make her fuck, like, won't date her. What, what's, this, what's this? What's labels?
1: What is this?
0: Ah. John, not that you should ever date Stephanie Lazarus, but John. Oh, my one.
1: God. But twice? But,
0: but twice. But
1: you t- yeah, admit it. You, you were dating. Like come You on. guys were dating. They even,
0: like, I'm going to post photos about this on my Instagram. Yeah. They literally had, like, professional photos taken together. What? Like 1980s, like in JC like holding hands, Stephanie oh, and John no. before he met Sherry. Like Wait, when I they, have w- to see I'm these. like, of course they were. Like of course Stephanie. Believe me, I'm not feeling bad for Stephanie, but like, how could she not be confused about this?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is whatever. Very, this yeah, is very exhausting.
0: So time goes on. They actually end up losing contact with each other. All of that. <laughs> yeah, like, all of that. And they're like, <laughs> that, they just lost each other's number. <laughs> like all that work. Oh my God.
1: I don't mean, I, listen, yeah. I know this is serious. No, it is but serious, the,
0: but it's no f- fucking ridiculous. It is. Like this story is ridiculous. Sherry deserves so much more than this bananas
1: this, story. This, this debauchery. Yeah. This fucking ridiculous. Like all
0: of that you guys lose contact? Oh, whatever. So anyway, they lost contact, right? Stephanie ends up marrying an LAPD officer named Scott Young in 1986. They adopted a child.
1: I'm so over this
0: case. John also moved on, had kids, got married. They both had different lives. Are you
1: fucking kidding me?
0: Yeah. So, in the years following, Stephanie became actually, like, a really highly respected officer with the LAPD. She worked her way all the way through the ranks. She was a .A D.A.R.E. officer. So, she, like, she was the person going into schools, talking to kids about making good choices.
1: Oh, man. Can you
0: imagine?
1: (laughs) Wait, wait. You went to Catholic school. Did you ever? I never had D.A.R.E. You never had to do drug abuse resistance education?
0: Oh, I That's what D.A.R.E. stands for. Oh, Wait.
1: Drug abuse addiction or er, drug abuse resistance education. Yeah.
0: Stop. Dare. Yeah. No, I thought it was, um, students. Ag- no, <laughs> wait, no. that's
1: dare doesn't start with an S. I thought it was.
0: Oh what's yeah. The, the one, silent, the silent D the one, in,
1: in students. Like
0: students against drunk driving. What's that one?
1: I don't. students, uh, students against against drunk
0: drunk. Dr- Oh, sad.
1: Yeah. Not dare. <laughs> <laughs> Literally not dare. Completely different word. One is a verb. One is an adjective. But can
0: you imagine this woman, like knowing what you know now, which I mean, I I feel like you could assume what happens here.
1: Oh, gee, I wonder. Yeah.
0: But like she was the one talking about morality to these children. Oh, my God. So. Also,
1: can we just talk what a, a real failure that D.A.R.E. was? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. It literally yeah. like taught you where to get like drugs
0: which i like, remember
1: like learning like stuff i was like damn this is a lot of information
0: i remember like and if my best friends were listening which they probably are which they'll all be guests we used to like <laughs> we used to hear about you know like the we were such little like angels but we had so much fun together does it like we had the best time ever like best childhood together but people were like there's just drugs everywhere and we're like where yeah, like, we have never <laughs> We're
1: How like, do I get a drug? Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> Where do I you buy the drug? Know. I
1: still don't know. I still don't. I, I don't no want to know. Me neither. Don't, don't tell <laughs> me. I don't want to know. Yeah. Dare.
0: Dare. So, on top of that, she also worked in the internal affairs department, which is the department that investigates officers and determines if there's corruption or shady business.
1: How convenient. <laughs>
0: So like she literally is one of the lead officers investigating other officers to make sure they don't commit crimes. Meanwhile, she, spoiler alert, murders someone. So
1: get out of town. She murdered, she murdered. I don't. She I didn't murdered. want to give it away. Wait, really? She murdered Sherry.
0: Look at <laughs> In two thousand eight, she started working for the Department of Art Theft and Fraud, and as a department. Wait,
1: wait, wait, hold on. Art theft and fraud. Yeah. Like art, like like painting,
0: like. I mean, art. Uh, art is so many things, Aaron.
1: <laughs> Why is it a department <laughs> in the police?
0: Well, because there's like expensive, like the Mona Lisa or something. If someone like stole it or like made fake Mona Lisas, uh, that's like a whole. That's like oh 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 okay yeah, okay yeah. okay
1: okay. I got it now. <laughs> I'm just like,
0: <laughs> it's like Steven time Like
1: got a parking ticket. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yep, that's definitely a Picasso. <laughs> Thank you, officer.
0: <laughs> I love how I said, Stephen son, I've got a parking ticket. He says
1: because. <laughs> Honestly, I should have said a musical theater thing, but like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought fine art.
0: Yeah. Well, I had a professor that told me to live where art lived one time.
1: Where? Where's that?
0: Just that's the answer. Where is that? Okay. Right.
1: I'm exhausted by that. I'm
0: exhausted by remembering it and I had to <laughs> live it. So, <laughs> but it's still one of my favorite sayings. So anyway, because it means nothing.
1: I'm part of the art. <laughs> I just can't get over that. I know, I'm sure it's very serious and uh, it's like important work. There's but. actually
0: photos of her like posing with like <laughs> paintings.
1: With like Starry Night. <laughs>
0: I'm not kidding. There's like photos of <laughs> Stephanie Lazarus in the like Los Angeles Times like posting with like posing with. Oh, and shit. she like looks like and this okay we need to talk about stephanie lazarus the way she looks oh because i'm gonna i don't care i don't want to tell you is she she looks like jim carrey the mask is like a person like like for, not green not green like i need a picture of this um let me show you what she looks like all right we're gonna pause real quick okay you're literally not ready this is I'm some still shots that someone took of her interrogation tape okay okay Um, Oh, so
1: I'm getting both. I'm getting like what she looks like and the interrogation photos.
0: Exactly. Okay, great. (laughs) Doesn't she look like the mask? And like when you see her face in action.
1: Oh my God. Wait. (laughs) Because she's like this. Yeah.
0: And the way she talks, like she's moving through those faces for like an
1: hour. The first one is like the Grinch when he's like, when he got the, the evil, awful idea, he goes.
0: Literally. Oh my God. Her face is. Her, Wait, you she need to put this. You got to put like, this, put this stuff. photo off. I am, and then oh let me show god. you like a regular picture of her face. Oh my god, she's she's scary looking. I'm gonna post all of this on the Instagram for this, and it's you can't like you look at her and it just Did like you all makes just, sense. Just like
1: waking up to that.
0: No, it's terrifying.
1: Those eyes. I mean,
0: we're not even up to this in the story, but oh I'm gonna god. I'm gonna post a full interrogation video. The way. Listen, I'm an actor, so I can talk about someone's acting performance, right? Oh, sure. Zero out of 100. Wow. She is so, like, they're like, do you know, and they purposely, okay, I don't want to give it away. Let's get, okay. Let's get to it. So, in 2008. (laughs) (laughs) LIPD, art department.
1: (laughs) We heard you were ransacking some Picassos in here. (laughs)
0: But apparently that's, like, risky business. <laughs> risky business. They have a whole department for it. Think about it. Backtracking a little bit, in 2001, the LAPD's Cold Case Homicide Unit is established. With the advances in DNA, the LAPD was given $50 million in their budget to go back into these cold cases and utilize this new technology to solve cases. Hmm. Sounds like you got the budget now, there. The ones that have enough evidence. Hi, guys. I think you have enough money now. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) So, in 2003, a detective submitted Sherry's case. In 2004, like this is how slow moving this is. And, like, I just feel for her parents.
1: I just feel
0: for her parents. Like, ugh. In 2004, a lab technician named Jennifer Francis. We love Jennifer Francis. Oh, Jennifer. Picks up the case. So she starts testing blood and fingernails. It all comes back as being Sherry. Now, remember, remember that bite mark on her left forearm? Yeah. Well, she wanted to test that. She's like, okay, she's like reading the case file. She's like, okay, there's a bite mark. Okay, like, obviously not from the victim, right? Yeah. I want to test that. Can't find the evidence anywhere.
1: Interesting. Interesting. More disappearing evidence. Yeah.
0: It took the coroner's office six hours to find the specimen. And it was in all the way in the back of a freezer. And it had been there for 18 fucking years. In a freezer? In a freezer, in the coroner's office. There was this little specimen. And it was the swab from the bite mark on Sherry's left forearm. Interesting. Yeah. Which there was no other evidence. So they clearly were trying to hide things, destroy things. And it seems like they forgot one thing. Yeah. So she tested DNA. The results come back in January 2005. So long. Yeah, what the heck? And it's a female's DNA. She runs it through the criminal database, no match. She contacts the detective on the case, and they brush it off. They're like, okay, so it was a female burglar. Can you imagine? So Jennifer Francis is looking in these case files. She's like, it didn't didn't sit well with her. And I love that. I love people that do their job with integrity. Yeah. Period. So she was like... I'm looking through these case files. I, I want to see, like, what females were in her life. Who could this be? So there was one nurse from the hospital that Sherry worked at that kept coming up in the case files. They apparently didn't get along very well. So she said, hey, detective, what about this woman? And he was like, oh, that LAPD officer? No, not her. And she's like, um, I wasn't referring to an LAPD officer. I didn't see anything about an LAPD officer. I'm talking about a nurse. Oh! And he's like, oh, not her. So when are we, when are,
1: when are we going to give this up?
0: Yeah, well, guess what? Case goes cold again because he immediately dismisses it. It is February 2nd, 2009, and a detective named Jim Nuttall picks up the case again. He's going through cold case files and comes across Terry's file. The file says it's burglary with two males, but the DNA is a female's DNA. So he goes, okay, well, this doesn't add up. Good we, job. We love Jim. We love Jim. He takes it seriously from the gut. Finally. He's like, okay, well, let me get more detectives on this. We love Jim.
1: Are they going to brush him off too?
0: No. Jim's like, absolutely not. Okay, good. So they start going through the files, and they collect every female name, which is five women that were mentioned in the case files, and they said, okay, well, we have to start eliminating them. We have to get their DNA and start eliminating them. Great. Three people were eliminated very quickly. It was her mother, her sister, Teresa, and her roommate, Jane. The fourth was that nurse. Her name is Deborah Putnam. And it turns out that actually Sherry had taken her job. So they didn't get along.
1: Oh, I see. And she
0: actually was like not cooperative. She was like, I'm not giving my DNA. But, you know, she she discarded something and they picked it up. And she was eliminated. So, yeah. So the only person left is Stephanie Lazarus. Now, remember, Stephanie Lazarus at the time is a very respected, high-ranking person on the force. I would assume, yes, she is, in fact, their superiors. These detectives, she actually works across the hall from them.
1: So could they do, like, a similar thing, like, with the nurse and just be like...
0: They could, but it's like, they had to really...
1: Like be really on the
0: down low with this because a lot of reasons they didn't want to be wrong. You know, they didn't want to accuse this LAPD fellow officer of being involved in a murder if she wasn't. Yeah. Because that would look terrible. So they actually ended up using a code name in the building. They called her number five because she was the fifth person mentioned. Okay. They had no paper trail. Okay. They would only talk about things with each Mm. other. And then nobody knew about this unless you were like working on the case. They didn't like gossip about it. They didn't talk about it, ask opinions, nothing. Like it was very hush-hush. She had no idea this was happening. They also didn't want to risk the chance of another LAPD officer covering it up.
1: Mm. You know, I mean, that just speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, we don't need to get into it.
0: Yeah. They found out that in the 80s, LAPD officers had a backup gun. Besides their gun on their holster, they had a backup gun on them. And it was a 38 caliber gun. And that was the type of gun that killed Sherry. Huh. 13 days after Sherry's murder, Stephanie had ironically filed a police report with the Santa Monica Police Department. Not her police department. Like, not the one she worked in. That a blue bag was stolen from her car and it contained her 38 caliber revolver from work.
1: How convenient. She did not
0: report that to her work, her job.
1: Mm -hmm. She just reported
0: it. So there was a paper trail that it was missing.
1: So wait, she didn't report that her gun went missing?
0: No, not to her job. She reported to Santa Monica Police Department. Okay. She works for LAPD. Okay. Great. All right. So they had undercover cops following Stephanie in hopes that she would, like, just drink something and, like, throw a cup out and they'd pick it up and test her DNA. Eventually... She goes to Costco. And who can resist those free samples at Costco?
1: (laughs) Certainly not me.
0: Not Stephanie, that murderous (laughs) loser. She ended up having a soda at some point. Okay. And threw it away. And an undercover cop was like, amazing. Went over, picked it up at the right moment. They tested her DNA and she was an exact match for the bite mark on Sherry's arm.
1: Who'd have freaking thunk it?
0: So the two detectives take the case to two newer detectives. At this point, that's really important because they didn't know who Stephanie was Mm. and they had no bias. Good,
1: good, good, Jim. Yep.
0: They take it to the DA and they get a warrant for her arrest. So on June 5th, 2009... This is what happened. They didn't want to make a big scene and just, like, go and arrest her at LAPD headquarters, like, in her office. I would have. Well, yeah. Let me just, I would have loved this. Oh, my God. But they just didn't want to do it. Respecting her. Whatever. Stupid. So they staged a fake interview in the jail, which is in the basement of the LAPD headquarters. And they said, hey, you know, we got someone, like, you know, who stole, like, art or something. (laughs) We need your help. Ah.
1: Lucky for them, she is the head of the art department.
0: And the good news is that in order to get down to the jail, you have to relinquish your guns so she would actually be unarmed. Oh, good. Which I'm like, what do you think? She's going to, like, shoot you? But um, you know what?
1: Um, I'm going to go ahead and say maybe. <laughs>
0: So they approach Stephanie and say, "Hey, look, we got this guy in jail. He's involved in art theft. Can you give us a hand interviewing him?" And she's like, "Oh my god, sure." Like, I'm I'm the art girl. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> That's how she said it too, I bet. So they get her down to the basement lead her into an empty interrogation room and she's like uh where's the guy and they're like uh you know what there's no art theft actually and they interrogated her for an hour which there is a video of on youtube and you have to watch it
1: oh this is what you were like screaming at it is
0: the worst acting talking
3: about being busy and stuff we've been assigned a case that we've been looking at okay Okay. it's a new case and reviewing the case there's some notes uh, to see that far as your name being mentioned, do oh, you, okay. Do you know John Rutten?
2: John, John Rutten?
3: John Rutten? Rutten. Oh yeah, I
2: went to school with him. You did? Yeah.
3: How long did? Was there ever any relationship or anything that developed between you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean we dated. Uh uh-huh. You know, um, I mean, is wh- what's this all about?
3: Well, it's relating to uh, his wife. Okay. Okay. Did you know her?
2: Not really. I mean, I knew that he got married years ago.
3: Uh-huh. Did you ever meet her?
2: God, I don't know. Um,
3: or what she did for a living or where she worked or anything uh, about her?
2: Well, I think she I th- I'm going to say that I think she was a nurse. Um Man, I can't even remember how he, he said he met her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I yeah, I mean it's been so long ago. Again, I I mean, what you know, I don't understand why you're talking about some guy I dated a million years ago. Well,
3: do you know what happened to his wife?
2: Yeah, I know she got killed. I, I can't even. I can't even remember if we had a conversation. I mean, we may have. I may have. I may have seen her at his apart. I, you know. Jeez. Uh,
3: do, do you know what the circumstances were regarding her death?
2: Hmm. Jeez. Oh, let me think back. Um. Jeez. I don't know if it was, you know, if it was a burglary or something. Uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been so many years, I, I mean, I can faintly think that I may have saw a flyer. Do you remember the first name? (sighs) Shelly, um, Sherry, I don't know, something, maybe, you know, um, like I said, it's been so many years, and...
3: Well, that's what I'm reading, is that you guys have problems with each other, and words are being exchanged, and it's all relating to John.
2: You so, know what I I I I just I can't say.
3: You can't say. Either. No,
2: I that, that doesn't even ring a bell. I mean.
3: I mean, it seemed like yeah, you would recall something if somebody's would, going off think, on you, right? I would
2: think. I mean, I would think.
3: I mean, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the notes, and these people are kind of. I mean, they're pointing the finger at you.
2: It is
0: a work of art. You have to see it.
1: And and she would know. She's the head of the
3: art. The head
0: of art. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's she was a Monet, like all right. she
0: was defensive That's my favorite. this is my as favorite joke fuck. it's so good she was defensive as fuck acting like she knew nothing and was like panicking at certain points oh I'm which sure it's like beautiful to see she can't remember anything she can't remember Sherry's name it's like absolutely insane to watch her eyes literally bug out of her face and I wrote here in my notes she has a stupid face <laughs> so I'm gonna say that oh my god <laughs> the to detectives the are questioning her and they are careful since she's a cop and she like knows what they're doing you know right. she like knows the tactics but i feel like those instincts like fall apart when you're like guilty
1: oh yeah you know
0: like i feel like the most seasoned cop if you're like literally a murderer and they caught you like it's hard to get out of that
1: yeah you'd have to be like prepared for she wasn't she was
0: completely shocked yeah, by she was
1: this blindsided
0: yeah it had been 23 years yeah 23 years later she got away for for 23 uh, years. So they end up asking her for a DNA sample. They're like, just give us a DNA sample and it's all be over. You don't have to worry about it. And she's like, so they're like, will you give us a DNA sample? And she goes, maybe. And she goes like, I I guess I need to call someone. I guess I need to call a lawyer and ask, you know, I'm not giving you anything until I talk to someone like immediate, like that. Huh. And they're very kind to her. I mean, she's their superior. Oh, well, yeah. A few days later, she's formally charged with murder. She pleads not guilty. Bail is set as $10 million, which is astronomical that is wild but she's a huge flight risk and she's also married to another lapd officer with access to guns and firearms in their house and everything
1: yep yep
0: almost like three years later the trial begins that's a long time
1: god it never ceases to amaze me like how long the criminal justice system takes to like do things
0: she was in county jail for like a thousand days or something.
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: By the time she actually got like sentenced, she was in jail for like over a thousand days. Well,
1: she's making up for it since she was free for. They give her 20... credit for that, though. I hate that. I hate that too. Um, but she's. She but what I was saying was, she's making up for it with the uh, twenty-three years she was out scot free.
0: Yeah. No, truly. Stephanie is claiming innocence. The thing about it all is that, like, of course she is, right? But we'll never know what really happened to Sherry. and right. it's. Like, we can conclude, we can right, we theorize. Can the prosecution theorizes that Sherry was upstairs in her bedroom. Stephanie gets into the house somehow. Either the door was unlocked at the time, like, John just didn't lock it on the way out, or Stephanie picked the lock because. It turns out that Stephanie had like a lock picking tool set that she would like to show off to her friends. And she had a few books about lock picking. Oh, and
1: interesting. She so actually I guess had we figured a, out how she got into the house. She
0: actually had an entry in her journal from that week of the murder about picking locks, which like who writes about that in their journal? I'm
1: so exhausted by this case.
0: So she finds <sighs> Sherry in her bedroom upstairs and just shoots her immediately, like takes a shot at her. The shot goes through Sherry's body and hits the patio doors, shattering the door. Okay. Because the glass was broken from the inside out. They have a struggle, probably a big struggle, because as we know, the house is in disarray. Like, her blood was everywhere. Her fingernails are ripped off. Like, you know, eventually Stephanie shoots Sherry using the quilt to muffle the sound and shoots her twice more in the chest, killing her. So the bite mark, which ends up putting Stephanie finally in jail for Sherry's murder was determined to be either when she was dying or when she was already dead
1: um i'm i mean i'm i think it's safe to say it's probably the first but i mean who knows we'll never know
0: both are fucked up here oh well, yeah yeah but also like well, like if you're I trying to hold to these s- and I'm glad yeah. I'm obviously glad that she was a dumbass and did this but yeah. like why would you do that like why would you bite her and leave yeah. your DNA behind. Well, because at the time, DNA wasn't right, didn't exist right. like that. Stephanie had no alibi because actually she was off for three days during the murder. She was off for three days that week. And she committed the murder in those three days. So no one knew where she was. She wasn't at work. The amount of misconduct in this case by the LAPD is astounding. They didn't even write her name down. The father and husband of the murdered victim had said Stephanie's name so many times and they didn't write her name down.
1: Yeah, the number of times that the case went cold when there were ample opportunities to investigate her.
0: If you think she's innocent, interview her and clear her name. Rule her out. The jury deliberated for 24 hours and on March 8th, 2012, Stephanie Lazarus was found guilty of first-degree murder of Sherry Rasmussen. March 11th, she was sentenced by a judge to 27 years to life in a state penitentiary. She immediately appealed and was denied. Sherry's family tried to sue the LAPD for mishandling but the statute of limitations caused it to not be able to fuck the
1: statute of limitations because you fucked up for that many years. They don't get repercussions. Right. Fuck that. It was your fault that it went cold for that long.
0: Absolutely. And like, I can't, what a joke. I can't, what a fucking joke. Right. And I can't imagine being a parent and being in that situation and like knowing literally from the jump, like, Oh, I know exactly who killed my daughter and no one believes yeah, you. Yeah, fuck that. I actually don't know at the time of like in 2012, if her father was even alive or what, what the deal was. Like, I don't know. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But like if he had to die, like, you know, it's just a terrible situation. And John like spoke at the sentencing and stuff. and Wow. Yeah. That's the story of Sherry Rasmussen. A brilliant gorgeous, incredibly kind, warm human being taken by a jealous killer.
1: And protected by a fucked system. Yeah. I said it. I'll say it again. No,
0: absolutely. How could you hear this case and think otherwise? And John, he has a wife and kids and he's older and um, you didn't deserve this kind of trauma in your life at all.
1: Let this be a warning to like people, first and foremost, don't string people along in a relationship, but also like see warning signs yeah, I guess that's the first and foremost. See warning yeah. signs when things aren't right. Like if someone breaks into your house, like, come on.
0: Oh, my God. Come on. And 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 if someone, like, tells you, hey, I don't like this, hey, I'm scared, hey, I'm uncomfortable, believe them.
1: Especially your wife.
0: Especially your wife. But also, if you are, you know, you can't predict that someone would do something this atrocious and... And violent. You can't you can't. I mean, maybe you could. I don't blame John for assuming this wouldn't happen. I mean, it doesn't sound like Stephanie was a violent person.
1: Right, but it got to a point where it's like, okay, there are things that could have been done to maybe protect Sherry, you know? Oh yeah. restraining order. So
0: that's, that's the, case. the case. And there's lots of lessons to learn here. At the end of it all, Sherry deserves so much better. Yeah. And I'm sure that she would have done so many amazing things in this world. Yeah, and I feel for her parents and, I, and a lot of love as I feel for John
1: overreact everyone overreact
0: overreact guys overreact do not worry about looking stupid do not worry about what people are going to think don't worry about blowing up someone's spot overreact apologize later
1: yeah it is so much easier to yeah. ask
0: for forgiveness
1: if, if you're in a situation yes
0: that's the lesson and I think that'll probably be the lesson most of the time here on this podcast
1: absolutely well, anyways, great job, babe.
0: Thank you. That was I, a lot of information. I
1: did. You was got it a good me, story? You got me to scream, I think twice.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. And we will be back next time with a brand new case. Maybe with somebody else, or maybe with me. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see as the daily. <laughs> so, that's just the true crime bride. My name is Megan Miles. And thank you so much. Catch you next time. Hey, make sure you're following the True Crime Bride on social media. You can find me on Instagram at True Crime Bride, on TikTok at Megan Biles, N-Y-C, that's M-E-G-H-A-N. You can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. And if you would be so kind, please leave me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This really helps the podcast and will help me keep delivering awesome episodes to you every week.